Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Bulldog fans everywhere. I'd like to welcome y'all back to the Stark Vegas Report. I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. And I'm your other co-host, Gavin Lagazzino. And I'd just like to thank y'all for taking time out of y'all's day to listen to us. We're uh right now about to talk about the offense. We discussed defense last week and what we've got going on for that. You know, I've actually... To add to what our discussion last week, I've got a friend who attends every practice. Um, that's a source, I guess I should say. Not more, it's more of a professional relationship than a, a personal one. But um, he attends practice and let me know. And it's, of course, not somebody I can name because he's not technically at liberty to discuss things all the time. But he says he's actually more impressed with the defense than the offense, which we all thought defense would be a weakness. Um, but he says that they're about, there's a lot, just like Coach Leach said, a lot of give and take during scrimmages, but that the defense looks to be picking on, fa- picking up the, the new scheme faster and that he's really excited about that. He also said that uh, he gives us, he, he, he's convinced we're going to beat LSU. I'm not sure if I'm convinced we're going to beat LSU, but I probably could be convinced. Y'all know I've been on that hype train. So Gavin's ready to beat LSU. Yeah. It's Gavin. happening. Y'all just need to buckle up. One of y'all need to DM us and make a bet. Make Gavin bet. Yeah, I'll do it. Or I'll, you can bet with me. Yeah. I don't know. Don't bet me that LSU that we're going to beat LSU because right, then I have y'all, to pick LSU. I'll definitely bet on the spread with y'all if you want to. I'll bet so, on the spread. Yeah. I make a, We're going to cover the spread. Yeah. We're not losing by by 18 points. Yeah. Um, but anyway, talking about covering spreads, a good way to cover the, to cover spreads is to score a lot of points and that's what we expect this offense to do. Yeah. Um, before we get into the, to, to that, though, just tell you all a little bit about our schedule. We will have two more shows before the LSU game, not including this one. One more show to just talk about the season. And then the Friday, a week from, in 10 days, a week yeah. from a week from Friday. The we day will before have, we kick off against LSU. Right, September 25th, we will have a show previewing exactly what we expect out of LSU Bear with us on that episode. LSU, is, there's probably going to be three people on the field that anybody recognizes. And so we're going to have to – don't know exactly what we're going to preview. And obviously it's the first game. We can't just go back and say, oh, this this guy did good last week. This guy – you know, we're, we're going to do our best. Yeah, it'll probably be more about us than it is about them. Right. In any case, but moving on to uh, what we're going to discuss today, just again what to expect and who to expect, of course – on offense. Going to start off with the offensive line. Honestly, the most important position group in all of football is offensive line. If you don't have a good O-line, you can't do anything. You can't pass. You can't You can't run. Uh, Giants learned that on Monday. The Monday Giants? Night. Yeah. Uh, the Cowboys awesome. learned that a little bit. Their offensive line was graded third worst. Yeah. That's supposed to be our strength. I say our. I'm a big Dallas fan. I'm sure Gavin is too. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to talk about that. But who we think you're going to see, this is pretty much – I wouldn't say set, but I'd be very surprised if it differs from this right here. I've got good information, and this also just makes natural sense. Yeah, Gavin, run them across. So we got Charles Cross, redshirt freshman, starting at uh, left tackle. And then next to him at left guard, we got Greg Island. Uh, we've got the, the transfer from LSU. He's a redshirt sophomore, Cole Smith, starting at center with James Jackson backing him up. Uh, Darian Parker out of DeSoto Central High School. He's a senior. He's probably going to start at uh, right guard. And then we've got Dalla Bill, Quatravius Johnson. He's a sophomore starting at right tackle. We run through those lists. There is there is going to be some plug and play and some movement around. He mentioned James Jackson. The center position is probably the most contested position. We're pretty sure it's going to be Cole Smith. Yeah. KJ, uh, in his interview yesterday, said that Cole Smith was taking the ones, the one reps as a center. So 
It's looking like he's locked that down, but James Jackson will probably rotate in a good bit. James Jackson, of course, is a junior, and Cole Smith has, um, I think, three more years left to play. He was uh, he sat out a year last year um, after transferring last August from LSU. Yeah. But uh, going back across, Charles Cross, of course, had redshirted last year. He was named in one of the SEC's most uh, top, I think, top 30 freshmen to watch, or, or maybe the NCAA's most likely freshman to break out. He was a the number eight overall player last year in all of um or two years ago in all of high school football last I if I remember correctly and he was I definitely a five right. star player. We expect big things from him. He's got a left tackle build. He's got um left tackle NFL left tackle skills. Uh, they said that he once he gets a hold of you, he's not gonna let go. Is what I hear yeah. um out of camp. Greg Island, guy who's had a couple bad games as in a, in a bulldog jersey, but overall has been really solid for us. He's played. This will be the third position that he's really uh, been the solid guy at over his career. He played, as, of course, two years ago he was our left tackle, and last year he was our right tackle. Six seven, um, guy guy that uh, is almost is almost too big to play offensive line just because yeah. he's so huge. He's probably closer to six eight. If I've yeah. seen him before, he's pretty tall. Yeah. Um, but that's actually exactly what you need in this offense. You need the biggest the tallest and longest guys to pass protect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a little bit better for them to have those long arms and that height. And like we said, we discussed Cole Smith. Darian Parker is a senior, a guy that I would just say about him, this year might benefit him. He might be a type of guy that could really uh, help his draft or free agent prospects next year if he stays another year and he has that option. The guy backing him up who will also move around the line is LaQuinston Sharp, another senior. He could do the same thing. LaQuinston's kind of the opposite of Greg. He's really, really good, but he's he's just short. He, I don't think LaQuinston's probably six two. Yeah, I've actually I played basketball with him before. He's a not a not super tall, still a really talented athlete. Um, around the two deep, Alabama transfer Scott Lashley. I'm gonna let Gavin talk a little bit about him, and yeah. of course Nick Penley and Brandon Cunningham and those boys. So Scott is from Mississippi, uh, out of high school. He was a very highly touted recruit. He ended up going to Bama. And uh, he just kind of came over. He's a really talented guy, big guy. He just kind of fell back in the depth chart a little bit. But he's he's going to be the first guy off the bench, I would expect, if anybody's coming in at O-line outside of, you know, James Jackson and LaQuinston Sharp, which we've already mentioned. And some guys that played a little bit last year as freshmen and guys getting on to just the future of this, uh, this offensive line. We're really high on offensive line this year, but – the in the future, I think it's going to be even better because you're going to have all three of these guys: Cross, Nick Penley, and Brandon Cunningham. Um, both of those those latter two are some out of state guys that turned down some big time schools, mm-hmm. Miami, USC, uh, to come over here. USC is in Southern Cal, not South Carolina. Yeah. Of course, Nick Penley was from uh-huh. the Carolinas. I'm pretty sure he had an offer from South Carolina too. But uh, those guys are going to be probably, especially with this year, they have an extra year of eligibility. They're going to be in there a lot. Um, you've also got Calvin McMillan, Col- uh, Cordavian Suggs. One guy I want to think of, he is a freshman. He's not somebody that you would expect to play in a normal year, except for maybe his four games. But because of this crazy year, because he has the size, the size I've told you about where you need to be as big as possible is Grant Jackson. He's a, he's probably taller than 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. He's from West Lincoln High School in Lincoln County, Mississippi, which is where I'm from. And just simply simply because he's a country stone guy, he's uh, – I think he's taller than 6'6", six, six, honestly. He's in my dorm, and I see him on a daily basis. I think he's about 6'7". He's, he's, he's a he's a big dude. And just even though he's just a freshman, I think he's going to get in there for exactly for the reason I've been saying, probably in that at that guard spot. But this offensive line, like we I was discussing earlier, they're young – 
You've got a senior with Island, um, a senior with Parker, and with Sharp. After that, everybody you got one junior that we've named, and everybody else is sophomores or freshmen of some variety, be it red shirt or true. But uh, even with these seniors, you've only got one that we that we think would probably be best if he just left this year and tried to uh, make it in the league. Uh, the other ones we think would benefit from an extra year. And even so, you you plan on keeping a lot of these guys next year, so which makes me even more excited. But we're here to talk about this year. And they're really talented. They're If they're going to gel, we'll see. If they're going to um, – if they're going to be super awesome or just so-so, we'll see. But the talent's there for that. The ceiling is really high. Yeah. Uh, Something I want to talk about with the offensive line, too. Coach Miller, the offensive line coach, was talking about this. So we've got three-foot offensive line splits this year, which means that there's three feet between each offensive lineman, gosh, which is really huge. big. And so that's something that the guys have been getting used to. I watched, uh, I believe it was Charles Cross. He was talking about it, uh, and he was – he was just giving his rundown, talking about how he feels about it. He said, or it was Darian Parker, actually, or Greg Island. It was Greg Island, for sure. Third time's a charm. Yeah, third time's a charm. <laughs> it was Greg Island. He was talking about it, saying Greg that, Island, who's been a very vocal, uh, yeah. outgoing, outspoken leader yeah. of the team, and as he should be as a yeah. senior. He's the, the leader of the O-line. player on that line. So he was talking about the splits. He said it was really weird at first, but they like getting – they, as a group, they like playing with those uh, three feet between them just because he said that it helps them see the field because they're not all – you know, shoulder to shoulder, you're you're playing in space, and it's more about you rather than about a joint effort of trying to block somebody. So that's going to be something to look out for. It's going to look really weird on the field. If you do the math, we'll probably have 30 feet. Our offensive line will probably take up 30 feet of the field, which is 10 yards going side to side, which is really big. But when you think about it, we're not going to have a tight end on the field. So it'll be that's kind of something that you have to have. Uh, you got to have those big splits if you're not playing a tight end. What you're going to see with that is stunts from the opposing defensive lines are going to have to be either really simple or just not existent. You're not mm-hmm. going to be able to do these twist moves and stuff, just moving around guys that confuse them. On the flip side of that, it's going to be a little bit hard to double-team guys. But, uh, of course, pass protection is exactly what this offense was designed to do. They know – how to uh how to how to protect the passer, yeah. how to not avoid sacks. If you go back and look at Leach's teams, they don't give up sacks. A is getting the ball out really quick, but B, they this this entire offensive line is designed to not give up sacks. Yep. If they they know how to run block, and obviously they're going to have to, but you're not going to see a lot of pull in plays. You're not going to see a lot of, you know, down blocking or maybe even you know def- surely not that stuff that you see at uh, the triple option schools where they just kind of do these cut blocks. Yeah. You're gonna. And, it's gonna be a simple blocking scheme from that standpoint, which is, and of course that uh, that forces the uh, defensive line that we're opposing to be also simple as well. If you got guys three feet apart, there's no point in doing this little twist move or this switch or whatever because they're, 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 you're too spaced out yeah. for that to be operable. You can, you can, you see, can what's see the going whole on. field. Right. So, I would imagine any double teams that we do throw at guys if we're playing against really talented D linemen, like I'm sure Bama has somebody that's oh, yeah. going to go in the first round Auburn, off the D line. I would assume that. Uh, the most of the double teams will come with a chip block with the running back. We we just we're too spaced out to put two offensive linemen on one guy. It's just it's mainly going to be chip blocks with running backs and stuff. But like Colton said, the ball gets out so fast that it's hard for any D lineman to make a play in this offense. Right. So we're we're really excited. Um, sources tell me that they have their up and ups and downs in practices, but if you watch the press conferences, everybody's really uh, excited about it. 
and I, and I don't mean to say ups and downs to say, oh, we need to be worried. It's literally, you know, they have some great series and some so-so ones, which is what you expect uh, from from any adequate offensive line that's still going to have decent uh, some plays where this don't go very well. But hopefully we can start skewing more towards those good and less towards those bad. Yeah. So moving on, we're going to talk about the wide receivers. Uh, the wide receiver group is as big as I can ever remember it. We moved the tight ends to the wide receiver group. So now – if you look at the roster and count it up, we got 25 wide receivers on the roster, which is a ton. That's insane. Yeah, so starters on the outside guys, we expect it to be Osiris Mitchell. He's a senior. And Malik Heath uh, from Kapai Lincoln, he's a junior. And then inside, we expect it to be Austin Williams and Javante Payton. Uh, Austin Williams, he's a junior. Javante Payton's a senior. He came from Northwest Community College. But he's one of those guys that is very likely for him to play two years because of the new rules. Uh, touching on Osiris real quick, he's one of the guys that we've been hearing a lot of from camp. And uh, last week, if anybody watched Leach's press conference, he was talking about Osiris. And one of the guys, he was asking him, he said, Osiris, uh, he's he's been the best receiver on the team for the last several years, but he's not very consistent. How do you, how do you get him to take that next step? And Leach said, I wish I could tell you we've been working with him. We just would like to see him play faster. Uh, He's occasionally great, but we want to see him be consistently good. And so that that's kind of concerning if you ask me, but me and Colton were talking about this before the show started. That's good news if you think about it from a team perspective because Osiris has been seen as the, the best receiver on the team for the last several years, and now he's kind of taking the back seat to Heath and some of the other guys. Uh, I still expect him to make some big plays, and I think that, the, that Coach Spurrier and Coach Leach can coach him up and make him one of those guys that are consistently good. But everybody's seen Osiris's flashes, and I think that we could all agree that uh, he's one of the people that you just want to see more out of on a consistent basis. Right, and we've still got him listed as the game one starter. I wouldn't be surprised if that changed, but of course, if you're going based off last year, that's your you know WR one. That's that's yeah. your that's your big guy. That's the guy you need outside. You know that's our Amari Cooper, our Julio Jones, um, for better or for worse. But of course, Leach is all about competition. He's talked about that, and so is all of his players. Yeah. How much, how competitive things are, they're gonna have the best guy out there. And know? just to clarify, I do not think that Osiris is doing near as as inconsistent as what it sounds like. Leach is one of those coaches where he just wants to let a fire under somebody. And if Osiris isn't performing to the potential that he sees, and Osiris is one of those guys because of his size and his athleticism, he has a really high ceiling. So if Leach doesn't see him hitting that ceiling, he's gonna call him out just to light a fire under him. And I do expect Osiris to get drafted at the end of this year. Right. Um, Mitchell, of course, talked about Malik Heath. That's a potential NFL guy in the future. We talked about Austin Williams. They call him all reliable. He doesn't have drops. He's where he's supposed to be. Javonta Payton, we know he's extremely talented. Somebody who, if I know Javonta, he doesn't want to tune next year. He wants to go to the league next year. I don't see that in his cards. But what I do see is another year in this system could absolutely kickstart his career as a football player. If he wanted to stay an extra year, that would be awesome because, of course, we will lose him and Mitchell. Working in the slot, Javante is probably the most explosive wide receiver we have. Right. Um, A guy that's going to get a lot of touches on the two deep and might even start a little bit. I mean, it's that serious, guys. It's Tulu Griffin. I've got word from people that watch practice that he is getting – he is everywhere in practice. Uh, His number 81 and that he is um, absolutely lighting things on fire. Uh, two other guys we need to talk about, of course, is Caleb Ducking. Caleb Ducking's a junior college transfer. He's six five and fast. Yeah. 
Um, the guy came from a scheme, I think at Heinz, where they didn't run, they didn't, excuse me, they didn't pass a lot. Yeah. And so he didn't get a lot of offers, but I remember when Same that, place Gidry came from. Right. Well, I remember when that guy, uh, I don't know if it was Heinz. Might have been Heinz. Might have been Rankin. I don't know. Whatever. Um, I didn't mean to say Rankin. I know the coach, Stephen Gidry's receiver coach. He's a friend of ours. Yeah. And so I don't, I know that they passed a little bit more. It was one of those central, Holmes maybe. It was Might have been Holmes. Holmes. I need. I I should have should have had that looked up for y'all. But anyway, I've there. There's a film of him. He's running a jet sweep, and he's six foot five, and he outruns everybody on the edge. I mean, that's just crazy to me. I was really glad when we got him. I'd like to see what he's gonna do. He's got another year, and of course, he can benefit from that extra year as well, and have three years over here. And of course, Tyrell Shavers. Everybody was excited about the Alabama uh, transfer. He yep. was a five star recruit when he was in high school. I think. Yeah. Six foot six, runs a four three, which is preposterous yeah. absolutely preposterous i i don't think i don't i didn't think you're allowed to be that athletic yeah. um and he's uh he was one of the guys as soon as we as soon as we got him everybody was super hyped about it and steve robertson and paul jones and all the other guys that are in the media they were kind of like hold your horses you know there's a reason he wasn't playing at bama he has bricks for hands so everybody was kind of slowing that down and then after these scrimmages started, everybody's talking about him now because he's apparently showing out in the scrimmages. He's making a lot of plays. He's as advertised. So I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year, somehow, one way or another, Shavers works himself into the, that starting group of wide receivers. What, not something I would necessarily count on, but I would, again, like Gavin, I wouldn't be surprised. It would yeah. not, I wouldn't bat an eye at that. Another guy that's probably going to get some touches, but just by virtue of how much experience he has, because outside of Mitchell, and a couple of the guys that we lost last year, um, Cameron Gardner is, one, is probably one of our most experienced receivers, which isn't saying much uh, because, you know, nobody – I don't think anybody had 30 catches last year. I think Dedrick Thomas led the team with 29 in catches and Mitchell probably led in yards yeah. or maybe vice versa. But uh, Cameron Gardner had played every game last year. He's a redshirt sophomore and he'll be in the mix. Um, on the inside, you'll also – those are probably outside guys. On the inside, you'll have Garrett uh, – J- J- Garrett Schrader, I was sorry, I almost assumed that, <laughs> I was kind of just assumed y'all knew who I was talking about. No, Garrett Schrader is working out at receiver. Yeah. Um, he's been at receiver probably for a week in practice now, which is crazy to me. Uh, not crazy that it's in a bad decision, but crazy as in I just never thought we'd be there looking yeah. at what happened last year, but here and we are. Schrader is apparently showing out at wide receiver because um, Will Rogers' interview, he said that him and Garrett connected on a long touchdown on uh, the scrimmage on Saturday. And apparently it was a really cool moment. All the all the quarterbacks ran to the end zone to celebrate with him, and they said that it was a really cool moment. Uh, Garrett's had multiple touchdowns from what I've been hearing. He's had two or three touchdowns since switching to receiver. And like Colton said, he's only been there for four or five practices right. at this point. So that's really impressive out of, out of Garrett. He's a big guy. I was kind of surprised to see that he was working in the slot, but he is a quick uh, quick guy who he's working the slot in Tulu, who yeah. would, you would think was your typical slot receiver, is working outside. Yeah, so that's kind of backwards to what you might think, but you know I trust Leach and Spurrier's judgment over anybody else's. So two other guys you'll probably see, and one guy that's getting a lot of hype and practice from his quarterbacks is uh, Jaden Wally. Uh, Jaden Wally, who was a quarterback in high school down at uh, D'Iberville on the coast. And, of course, Rufus Harvey, the Starkville product, everybody was lobbying hard for for him to get a scholarship, and Coach Moorhead gave him one. And I think that's a player, as far as from a, from a chip on his shoulder, 
attitude perspective, he's going to be huge for us in the future. Maybe he'll get in this year. Yeah. Some other things you want to talk about with the receivers, and we're, we're going to spend a lot of time on receivers because it is the position that you've had the least success at as a program, I think, as, I think as far as any position we've ever had. Yeah, I'd agree with uh, that. Maybe, I mean, you would include tight ends, but I kind of include tight ends with receivers. I mean, but, we put Jordan Thomas in the league. I mean, so. yeah, we've got we've got one there. And, and even, Farad. Farad's and even, playing right now. Even so. Um, but – one thing I do want to touch on is the big boys. You've got their former tight ends, which you hadn't named, that are now receivers. Jaquarius Spivey, who's extremely athletic, super fast for his size. Brad Cumbus, who's very athletic. Dude hit a triple and he's like 6'5", 250. <laughs> like, my goodness. You can't you can't be slow to hit a triple. No. You, I mean, I could never hit a triple in college <laughs> baseball. Even if I could hit, which I can't, I would never hit a triple because I run like a 5'6", would It would never happen. This dude is huge, and he's still that's still that just impresses me. Powers Warren and Dante Jones, those are probably the tight ends you're going to hear from. That all of them got a little bit of playing time, yeah, and they're all playing on the inside. Last year, these are inside receivers, guys. They they run fast. They're terrible to tackle. Cumbus has really really good hands. Spivey, those those two guys are probably your best out of those four. Um, Spivey's extremely athletic. I mean, probably more athletic than Brad, but that's that's not because Brad's not athletic. Just Spivey's that athletic. Yeah. Um, and like I said, Brad can catch really well. They are faster than most linebackers. So there's gonna be several linebackers that are probably just as fast or faster. You know, Willie Gay is probably faster than Spivey yeah. and Columbus. But Errol Thompson certainly isn't. He's yeah. one of the best linebackers in the league. And they're definitely bigger than any safety that's gonna to try to cover them or any cornerback. I mean, they're just coverage nightmares. If you want to play one on one with these guys, it's you're not it's not gonna work out. Uh, you're not going to be able to cover them in man. You're not going to be able to cover zero with these guys on the field simply because they're either going to be smaller or slower. There's yep. there's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I defy you to tell me a player that's got, that's got enough size to be confident about tackling, be confident about uh, matching up with from a high point, ball high point perspective, and also can run with them. I yeah. just don't see it. That's why they're at the position they're at. You know, the tight ends are big, your guy that's kind of both the big and fast. Yep. Going on to just how, and I wanted to touch on this, or I'll let kind of let Gavin get into it, just about what we've done in the past at wide receiver and what we expect to do. Yeah. So looking back at wide receiver, the guys that are going to stick out to you in our program history, obviously Eric Moulds, Chad Bumpfus, Jamion Lewis, uh, Darunya Wilson, Fred Ross, Fred Brown, uh, just a lot of guys that. You know, they, they were all very good in college, but they never really had NFL success outside of Moulds, obviously. And in, the, in the last 30 years, those guys, you know, Moulds, Bumpus, Lewis, Bear, Justin Jenkins is another guy. Um, you might throw in Donald Gray from a few years ago. Yeah. One guy had any kind of appreciable NFL experience. And that, let's be fair, Eric Moulds was... I think he he's led the league in receiving. He had the, he had the Bills record for receiving. Mm-hmm. He was second to AFC... He was gonna uh, ball out regardless of where he went to college. Molds, Mold, oh yeah, Molds was Molds was uh, all. Uh, they don't do all stars. Pro Bowl, yeah. <laughs> almost said all star, Pro Bowl receiver. But the rest of them, our next best receiver, debatably, you know, when I want to see some of our probably our second and third best guys never never saw the field in, yeah. in the league ever. Barry Wilson didn't uh, didn't get drafted at all. Fred Ross. Who leads in receptions and yards uh, all time at Mississippi State? Uh, I think is on he was practice on, squad. He was on somewhere. Carolina's practice squad at one point. I right. don't know where he's at. I mean, now. that's and by the way, God rest his soul. When you're talking about Barry Wilson, that yeah. was a tragedy that happened earlier this year. Um, that's that's about to change. You're about to see guys where 
you're about to see guys that are going to get into the NFL simply because and they're not going to be a lot of 1,000, 1,500-yard, heaven forbid, receivers out there on this team, but you're going to see a bunch of 800-yard guys, and they're going to be coached correctly. And that's going to show up on pro days. That's going to show up on uh, combines. And you're going to get you're going to start seeing a bunch of wide receivers in the league in the next few years from Mississippi State. And it's going to feel weird. It's really going to feel weird if Dak throws to a Mississippi State receiver because they're just not out there. Yeah. I've Like I said, I've never lived to see a Mississippi State receiver catch a pass in the NFL. Yeah. I've never – Josh Robinson as a running back made it, and he probably – and I remember him catching a pass actually. Mm-hmm. But in every other position, you've got appreciable uh, NFL talent, even at quarterback. We have more catches from defensive players than NFL than we do offensive players. Oh, by a lot. Yeah. You've got – but, I mean, you've got Slay Anthony Dixon. by himself. <laughs> yeah, you've got Anthony Dixon at running back, you've, and Vic Ballard, of course, and even Josh Robinson. All kinds of offensive linemen and defensive linemen. You've got a lot – Bernard McKinney is one of the highest-paid linebackers in the league. Um, of course, we've talked about Darius Slay. Jonathan Banks was in the league for a little bit, and he's probably the best back we've ever had in the defensive back. Jonathan Abram at safety is absolutely killing it his first game back from injury. He had 13 tackles this week. Of course, we know Dak. But just every, just about every other position, and of course, we talked about Jordan Thomas. We have a, we have a tight end in the league. We have, we have had at least somewhat – we've had more success at every other position, um, position group, I will say, than wide receiver. And so, but again, that's going to change. And of course, there's a lot more Mississippi State guys in the league these days. Certainly, a lot more than Ole Miss guys. A lot of starters. Um, it's really, really exciting to be an NFL fan right now. Yeah. But like we were talking about, uh, alluding to a second ago, there is going to be um, an even distribution in yards and catches. You're probably going to have five or six guys, maybe three or four guys with 700, 800 yards, and unlikely to have a guy with over a thousand yards. Yeah. My friend Andrew Miller actually on Twitter. You can follow him at Ale State. Uh, he pointed that out to me. Um, in a t- I pointed that out to the world, I guess, in a tweet, just because he's just that invested in football. He wanted to go look those things up. You know, Mike Leach still averaged 5,000 yards per season at Wazoo and only had four 1,000-yard receivers in eight years. Yep. That's that's crazy. That's just because that's that's the offense. Yeah, and we're not getting a one thousand yard receiver in a ten game season. I'm oh sorry, no, 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 no. You won't have <laughs> not that this year anyway. But even in yeah. years to come, I yeah. just don't see it. I think uh, I think we got some guys coming up that we've recruited, like Teddy Knox and Malik Neighbors, that might be a thousand yard guys at some point in their careers at state. But I don't think we've got anybody on the depth chart right now that's going to do it. Besides maybe Tulu when he's you know, grown up. And all these guys are going to have more catches than they could have dreamed of if they had come here yeah. during any other time in yeah. our history, which That's is right. insane to me. Yeah. We've just never – I mean, there's never been an appreciable time where we just aired it out. Our best passing season was Dak in 2015. And even then, I mean, who do you remember on that team? You had Fred Ross. Fred Ross, Donald Gray was young. Donald Gray was hurt a lot yeah. too, though. Uh, he barely played. Malik Deer. Malik Deer, who was also hey, – that might have been Malik Deer's hurt year too. Yeah. yeah. I mean – it's gonna it's gonna be different. Coach Leach also said that uh, he said over a week ago now, but that the receivers and all with all the reps that they get, they get so many reps. They get hundreds of balls, hundreds of routes during these uh, weeks of practice. I mean, more than they've ever been. That they're getting um, a little bit ahead of schedule to where he thought. Also, something that also just blows my mind: all our receiver coaches the past two years have been NFL guys. You had two different NFL guys that Joe Moorhead has bought into coach receivers. And all of them are saying this is the first time they've been coached on technique. It's the first time they've been taught uh, some of some very basic things about being a receiver. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to talk bad about these former coaches we've had, but you've got Steve Spurrier Jr. in there 
going over how to properly run a route, a exact way that you're supposed to run it, that they've never been taught, despite, again, being coached by NFL, former NFL players and NFL coaches. Yeah, which is just absolutely insane. And that's just that just shows you how much of a culture change we've got going on, how much of a scheme change we've got going on. And that shows you that these guys, they're there to make plays. And these wide receivers, they have to make plays in order for this offense to succeed. So they're, these coaches are putting a lot of stock into these guys. What that tells me is, you know, Everybody's like, oh, it's a coach. It's a recruiting thing. It's a recruiting thing. We don't recruit the best receivers here, guys. We've we don't coach up the best receivers here. We've been great at coaching quarterbacks. We've been outstanding at coaching offensive linemen, as far as technique and stuff defensive goes. Defensive linemen. We've coached up defensive linemen. We Very haven't well. coached. We haven't coached cornerbacks terribly well. And I'm not just saying that because Terrell Buckley's at <laughs> Ole Miss. Um, but we haven't. Literally, our receivers just haven't been coached up. And that I want you all to think, you know, all these woes that we're having, it makes me almost mad because they were probably were probably preventable. Maybe receiver coaching is some lost art that's really difficult to do, and you got to get the perfect guy to do it. But that we've if if that exists, we've got that that guy now with um with our current coaching staff, and it's happening. But I also again, it's hard to not feel shortchanged. Yeah, we haven't had great receiver play as far as long as I've been alive, other outside of Fred yeah. Ross. Great, you- great receivers. Bear Wilson's athleticism was was out was off the charts. His technique was he wasn't a he was, didn't play in high school except for one year. You couldn't blame him for not having good technique. But other than Fred Ross, I mean, where where's our good receivers that you remember? We remember, but we're old enough to remember Bumpus. Yeah, I remember Bumpus. We remember Jamion Lewis. He was hurt a lot. Though. Yeah, Lewis was explosive in his younger days, and then he never really came all the way back from his ACL injury. But like Colton's saying, guys, these these wide receivers. Yes, we haven't recruited wide receivers particularly well in the past. Compared to some other schools. These these guys haven't these coaches haven't had a chance to get a wide receiver recruiting class in yet, and our wide receiver room is already looking better than it's ever looked in the past. Now how does that make any sense? These guys they, they didn't recruit these wide receivers here. Joe Moorhead and Dan Mullen recruited these wide receivers here. And they're already they did recruit Shavers, but yeah, that's it. Yeah, Shavers is the only guy that they brought in and they're already saying that this wide receiver I think as a fan base, we can all agree this is the best wide receiver group we've ever had, and these are these are not their recruits. That just shows you the the development of these coach of this coaching staff is off the charts, and that you know maybe as Colton's saying, the guys that we had coaching these guys up in the past just weren't up to par. And I'm gonna say I modify what you said a little bit. Could be best receiver group we've ever had. Yeah, probably. I wouldn't be surprised. Yardage wise, it has to be. The oh, best yardage wise, team. yardage wise, as a yardage per game, I don't know if they'll break the 2015 record simply because of the uh, shortened season. But from a yardage perspective, of course, if we win the SEC championship, if we play in the SEC championship, we go to a bowl game. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm kidding, but uh, I'm not calling that, guys. Um, but either in per game basis, I think that there's there's little doubt that we'll have more yards per game than we've ever had or yeah. close to it. Yeah. Um, with that, we're going to uh, take a small break for you guys to all hear from Anchor, and then we'll get right back afterwards. All right, we're back. Thanks for being patient with us. Uh, going to let Gavin start us off talking about our next position group on the offensive side of the ball, and that's running backs, yeah. probably the most fun group. Yeah, so running backs are a huge part of Leach's offense. Everybody's kind of freaking out saying, you know, Colin Hill's our best player. we got to get him the ball. He's got to be touching the ball. So, you know, Everybody calm down because we, we were looking over the numbers, and Leach's running back last year, he had 800 rushing yards, and he led Leach's team in catches at Washington State. So Leach is going to do a just fine of getting Kylan the ball as much as possible. Uh, Kylan's going to be able to make plays in space. That's what this offense is designed to do is attack space. 
So I think that we'll be fine. Uh, going over the depth chart at running back, we've got Colin at one, obviously. And then Colton and I, we expect it to be Jaquavius Marks at two. And then Dylan Johnston and Lee Witherspoon kind of fighting for the three and four spots. But somebody that we don't want y'all to forget about is Kareem Walker. He transferred here out of Michigan. He went to community college between. And he's been on the team. At the very at the very least, he's a great guy that you want on your practice squad. Uh, he gives you great looks. He's a power back. And me and Colton were talking about, we love him. He has a, he has a huge personality in the locker room. He's a leader. How do you see him fitting into this scheme? How do you see him getting on the field? And hopefully we use him in some short yardage sets. He's one of the guys uh, where, you know, this year could be good for him because after Colin leaves for the draft this year, which is happening, whether, you, whether you'll accept it or not, Colin's done after this year. Uh, Kareem's one of those guys that really could benefit from this extra year because he could come back and definitely be our goal line back next year. Right. You know, sort of just from a scheme aspect, don't think that, you know, you're going to have one back on the field, he's going to be in pass pro, and that's what that's the end of it. Leash runs some two-back sets. He has a lot of two-back sets in, uh, in his offense. And, again, the way this offense works, there's not a ton of plays. There's just there's a few plays, then several formations, then varieties of those formations. And then it all just kind of blends together into where you can just mix and match how, how you see fit. And that's why it looks as complicated as it is when it's actually quite simple. Um of course, you mentioned Marks. Uh, that's why I brought up the two-back sets. It'd be really fun to see both of them in there together mm-hmm. because Marks is a very, very versatile back and also very explosive and athletic. He's a good pass catcher like we talked about. Um, something about Kylan, you know, you've had leech, leech years where they barely featured a second back at all, and you've had leech years where it's like 60-40. So, and I don't think it'll be 60-40. I've got another same guy uh, or same person let me know that Kylan is in the offense a lot. And that what, what that tells me is he's got to be catching passes a lot because, of course, we're going to pass it all the time. And he must be also getting the line share of the carries. Uh, continuing talking about Kylan, though, um, Gavin, do you think Kylan's a first-team All-SEC running back? We've got t- – there's two. There's always two. Yeah. Do you think, of course, we predicted him – I would say he's probably got – Seven to nine hundred yards, maybe, maybe closer to six or seven hundred because of the shortened shortened season, but probably that many passing yards, receiving, you know, yards. receiving yards. Listen to me, Colin uh, Hill had six hundred passing yards. We had a really weird season. I think us. I think it's hard to justify Colin from a voting standpoint just because he's not going to be the flashy running back that everybody sees. But luckily for Colin, guys like CMC exist, and uh, they're kind of changing the way that people look at running backs. And I think Colin's going to be the most complete running back in the league this year, so I do see him being a first-teamer. Right. We do think that uh, – we both think this, that um, this is going to help his draft stock, and, of course, that's why he came back. If there's anything you had a slide against Colin, it's his other stuff other than running. He's a, almost a complete back. He's fast and powerful and, and shifty, uh, and he's a smart, patient runner. But – Little bit of work to do, and of course, who wouldn't have work to do as as a uh, when you're in our offense last year with how much we ran the ball. A little bit of work to do with catching catching balls out of the backfield and pass pro, and he's going to get that this year. I also think he's a first team back. I think because he was a first team All SEC last year, as well as the fact that this whole flag thing that he uh, was very very brave and bold about speaking out about how and we talked about that in the first show. Um, how he was he's not going to represent the state if not for the flag. He is now. You know, if there's four or five college players at ESPN, not just in the SEC, but in the whole of college football, the ESPN is going to feature 
on their pieces and in their media post, it's going to be. I mean, let's run them down. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Justin Fields, Derek Stingley, Derek Stingley, Kylan Hill, Kylan Hill. <laughs> I mean, you've got maybe Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. Some of these guys, they want to mix them up. I don't know anybody in the Pac-12 that they'd be doing that with. Uh, they like to kind of mix up some of these conferences. But, oh, yeah. well, they're all on Spencer Rattler's yeah. bandwagon. Yeah, Rattler could and, be. Um, Ellinger. Yeah. Big on Ellinger. But Kylan Hill's one of those guys now. Kylan's at least top eight. Oh, yeah. one of, Just not, not – I'm not even going to say top eight player, which you can make that case as too, but a top eight popular player. Yeah. For the same – all these guys have been speaking out. Phil's been speaking out about letting us play. Uh, Lawrence has been speaking out, letting us play. Collins is speaking out, all, not only let us play, but all this other stuff with the Mississippi-specific things. So that's going to help him, I think, get all SEC, alongside probably Najee Harris. Again, Collins not going to lead the league in rushing. If he does, I'd be surprised. But he very well could, and I'd also almost be surprised if he didn't lead the league in all-purpose yards. And it just depends on if you've got these old-fashioned, these guys that barely watch games, they watch two games a week, and, and it's always going to be Alabama or Florida and they don't even realize that, oh, Kylan Hill, why is he even on the ballot? He's only got 800 yards pass. If they see the whole story, it's, it, I think it's going to be a very clear picture, but I think they're going to be able to pay attention to the whole story more because of all the stuff that happened on yeah. the offseason. I'd agree. All right, moving on to quarterbacks. Uh, we're excited. We hope you all are excited. Um, little doubt in our minds on who's going to start. However, Coach Leach hasn't named a starter. He hasn't told – Anybody privately, as far as we know, that there's going to be a starter. He's not acting like one guy is over the other. But um, KJ Costello, of course, transfer quarterback from Stanford, graduate transfer. A guy who, despite injuries um, last season, was looking probably be in the league right now, probably would have been on a team he could have even played on Sunday. I mean, would have mm-hmm. been a – he could have – if he didn't take a snap uh, – or let's, I can't say that. If he didn't improve at all on what he was as a junior at Stanford – Last year, he probably still would have been drafted in the first round. Yeah. I mean, that's he's a, he's a, he's that kind of guy. And of course, quarterbacks are a premium, and they're going to be drafted ahead of, you know, equally talented players in other positions. But KJ's a star. We've been watching his. We watched his entire press conference before the show. He's very intelligent. That's evident, not just from what I've heard, but from what I've seen. Um, and of course, after will uh, after KJ, since KJ is the senior and. Uh, Will's the freshman, and I'm the senior, and Gavin's the freshman. I'll let Gavin talk about Will, and I'll talk about KJ. Yeah. So, Will, he's obviously a true freshman from Brandon uh, High School. Uh, same high school as Gardner Minshew went to. And that's a that's a big deal because they run the air raid at that, at that high school. So, as Will, in Will's own words, uh, he said that it was very easy for him to transition to Leach's offense because a lot of the things that they run at Brandon are very similar to what uh, he ran uh, in Leach's offense. So it's just it's it's been a really easy transition, which gave him the heads up, gave him you know the edge over Garrett, if I had to say. Uh, and I think that that helped him show out. He's gotten a lot of praise from coming out of camp. And I do expect him to be the starter next year, regardless of what Sawyer Robertson comes in and does, just because that's how impressive Will – has been so far. Or Daniel Greek, don't forget. Yeah, yeah Daniel Greek. Uh, forgot about him. Thank you, Colton. But I think Will's just going to be one of those guys where he's going to be he's going to be really exciting to watch. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets drafted after his junior year. He's going to be playing on Sundays at some point. And I know that's high praise for a freshman. That's a lot to say about a freshman, but that's how confident I am. And what I've hear, been hearing about him and just what I've seen on tape, everybody knew he had a big arm. 
the only concern with him coming in was, you know, how does how does this fit into Moorhead's offense? But I think it's easy to see how this fits into Leach's offense. Right. Um, Gavin's he's got written on our notes that uh, he predicts KJ's going to be first team All SEC. Yeah. I think I actually don't think he's going to get first team All SEC because I don't think we're going to win more than six games. And I think that's the one position. You know, you could even you could put Raheem Boyd in the first team All SEC running back conversation with an Arkansas team that I don't think wins a game if they win if they win a game it'll be just the Ole Miss game. Yeah. Uh for that reason, um, because quarterback wins is probably the most important stat. I don't know if we'll win six games. If we win seven or eight, uh I think it's a no brainer because KJ will, if he stays healthy, lead the league in passing. There's yep. there's little doubt in my mind that that's the case. Um, you'd have to have another LSU season from a quarterback like last year for that to even happen. And no, but nobody's just simply nobody's running the offense that we're running. Yeah. Even in Alabama and and um, LSU that has really opened things up recently, uh, the past three or four years, or even you can say a little bit about Florida. But go, of course, we know Dan Mullen's offense has run first. It's just not that way. Um, the only person I could see maybe eclipsing a passing yard is just, and the only reason I'm saying this because I don't think I know. Uh, what they're going to be doing out there with Todd Munkin's offense at Georgia, who's a brand-new coordinator out there, former USM head coach. But that will be uh, JT Daniels at Georgia simply because, you know, maybe they're going to open things up so much that he'll have a few more yards. Of course, they're going to give it to the court. If, you know, KJ's only 300 yards and four touchdowns ahead of somebody that has two more wins, that's who's going to get it. But in any case, I think KJ has a good chance. Even, even you know, even he has a decent chance even if we do go 5-5. Five and five. But – We'll see how that goes. I know yeah. in this offense that intelligence and accuracy are really important uh, aspects, and KJ definitely has the intelligence. I've got you know same guy, same people telling me that maybe um, KJ is not as accurate as you would think. You know he's he's not gonna surgical Peyton Manning out there. I think that probably has to do a little bit with just getting used to the how the receivers are. Yeah, the timing. Yeah, just timings related issues. I know he can put put a ball in a five gallon bucket if he needs to, but we'll see. Um, the experience of KJ is what's going to be massive for us. Yep. If you if you've got a guy that knows knows what it's like to be on the football field, uh, it's going to really help. And that's why I think you know I had a couple guys say, well, how did that transfer thing work out for y'all last year? Other than health related, first of all, I think if Thomas Hines would have stayed healthy, he would have been just fine. Yeah. I think he would have been fine. Colin Stevens is talented. You could tell he was rattled though after he came back from injury. Right. He he looked very nervous. I mean, he was getting he was scrambling around a little bit too early early on in the first game, and that's mm-hmm. that's fine. I mean, that's just the issues you're going to have with a guy that doesn't have the experience that KJ does. But with that experience, um, a healthy KJ Costello is going to be successful in this offense. I ju- I don't see any way around it. Are we going to score enough points to keep up with all the other teams? We'll see. Are there going to be some hiccups? Yes. Are we going to keep everybody healthy? We pray with mm-hmm. that we do. Um, but I don't think, you know, I don't. Last year we kind of made a little, a few logical leaps in how well we thought the offense was going to do, and I just don't think we're at, as at risk about that this year. Of yeah. course, we're two years in a row um, hyping ourselves up, Gavin and I, and then being a little, somewhat disappointed. Uh, I think we have a much more reliable coach and a much more reliable uh, system of guys in there this year to where I can feel a little bit more confident about what I'm saying. And yeah. I'm also not predicting that we're going to, you know, win eight games. But and if we, I think the offense is so deep with talent, honestly, that if we do get hit with the injury bug, I think that Will Rogers can successfully run this offense, probably not to the extent that KJ can, obviously. But I think that we could be in decent shape with Will. And at running back, you know, I think Marks could do a, a decent job at holding that down. Wide receivers were so deep there. 
like we said, 25 on the roster that I think we'd, we'd be all right if we saw some injuries. And, of course, somebody we haven't mentioned yet that we've already talked about during the show, he still is QB3 as far as you know, and that's Garrett Schrader. Um, you don't think he's QB3? No, he's not He's not QB3, I know. Uh, QB, QB3 is Maiden. They QB3 said, is Maiden? Yes. Uh, this is and, news to me. I yeah. did not ask this question to anybody that I know at practice. Yeah, so Garrett Garrett is a wide receiver full-time. Leach said it. Garrett's a full-time wide receiver. He's not taking quarterback reps. Uh, Leach said the only way Garrett ever plays quarterback ever again is if we get hit really hard by injuries this year and uh, just so happens that KJ goes down and Will goes down in that event. Maiden's taking over the job, and Garrett would be moved back to quarterback to be taking reps behind Maiden trying to get himself back to where he could play quarterback. Dang so. That's news to me. Uh, I missed that press conference. Um, also, I'm glad he mentioned that. Well, first of all, Kobe Jones tweeted he thinks like Garrett can be like our Taysom Hill. I wonder, you've got to think Garrett can be in some trick play situations oh, yeah. where he G- could throw the ball, all right, or some some wildcat setups, or you know maybe even out there blocking punts or playing defense, doing some crazy things yeah. like that. Hot take: Garrett uh, has one passing touchdown this year. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. You've got. I mean. You've got a guy that's playing receiver. It's kind of like when we had Keaton out there, that you know, a guy playing receiver that's usually quarterback that just makes the defense kind of nervous. Yeah, it's got to be at least in the back of their head. You've got to think about that it. and account for that. And even in that, that's going to open up your offense just a little bit more. That gives you a step. You know, heaven forbid if you see Garrett go to take a go to step back to take a bubble screen, and then he's going to have like half a step uh, after he catches the pass out there behind the line of scrimmage because they're all wondering is he going to throw it? You know what's going on. They're going to be just a little bit slower to react, I think, with Garrett on the field. It's going to be a little bit helpful for offense. You know, better. Garrett's obviously going to be much more useful if they're catching pass than he would be holding a clipboard, catching passes, than he would be holding a clipboard behind two other guys. Yeah. And we mentioned Maiden. Um, I've always I, – I do not know why Maiden hasn't transferred sooner because in this league, you know, a third-string quarterback's just not going to see the field unless catastrophe strikes. Uh, and he's always been kind of number three, I think, as far as I know. He might have been number two after um, the two games that KT started. I guess yeah. that means he was number two. But uh, I do expect – I've got word that he'll probably be gone after December, which I, I hope he goes somewhere, never plays Mississippi State, and wins every game. I really <laughs> hope he does. Uh, one more thing before we're done with QBs. I want to just touch on the relationship between KJ and Will because that's something that's been really evident coming out of camp. They play golf together when they're not practicing. They play golf together. They play cards together. Uh, KJ actually said he got here June 1st, and he said that somebody was asking. They were like, how have you really taken Will under your wing? And he said, he's not under my wing. We're, we're brothers together. And he was saying that they're they're here in June. No coaches, obviously. Coaches couldn't be with the team at that time, and they're trying to implement an offense into a team. So KJ, he's kind of – you know, he's the experienced veteran. He's obviously a really smart guy coming from Stanford, like we talked about earlier. But he's he said that he was just kind of looking around, saying, like, you know, I'm, I can't teach this offense by myself. Somebody has to help me. And like we touched on earlier with Will, he's he's kind of the opposite, where he's not learning an offense. He's trying to grow within the offense on what he already knows. He's already familiar with all the concepts from from Brandon. Because he so, was here. He, we didn't have spring practice, but Will's been here a semester and right. he's been able to study and talk with Coach, stuff right. like that. So they were saying, KJ was saying that Will, him and Will just kind of looked at each other and said, you know, we, if somebody's going to teach the offense to the team, it's got to be us because coaches can't do it right now. So they kind of, they were, they've been friends ever since then. And they've, 
like uh, Will was talking about, when he comes off the field, he goes up to KJ and says, you know, what what'd you see? What were you thinking? And these looks and stuff. And when KJ comes off the field, he goes to Will and says, what'd you see? What were you thinking? So I think that, I don't think they're interchangeable in any sense, but I do think that having KJ there with Will is something that's really good for him. And that's really going to uh, just allow him to be a good player down the road. And, of course, injuries or not, with this extra year, uh, and they had four games anyway, Will's going to play. Yeah. I don't know if it's mop-up duty or if it's in some some different sets. Probably just mop-up games. But Will's going to get on the field. Mm-hmm. And hopefully there will be some games where there's that much uh, depth, distance between the scores that he'll be, get to play a lot. Uh, I bet Will throws for at least 500 yards this year. Right. We'll have – let's see. We'll probably be able to do that against Arkansas and Vanderbilt. We'll see better than that. Hopefully, Mizzou, hopefully. Maybe. Hopefully we're not on the back end of that. Even so, guys, a bad SEC team can still keep it within two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is in this league. Yeah. But we'll see. All right, now we get to move on to preseason awards. We're going to try to get y'all out of here quickly, um, but we're going to go through our preseason awards. For breakout player, I'm going to say Charles Cross. And, of course, I, we don't put um, redshirt freshman on our freshman of the year so because he's also technically a freshman. But Charles Cross, I think this is a, he's a shoe-in for this simply because uh, he was already listed all these preseason lists about where uh, most impactful players, young players in the, in the league. He's the number eight overall player, like we talked about, a five-star guy. I, I don't expect a lot of sacks coming from the left side of the line this year, guys. I just don't. Um, Charles Cross is talented. And, I, and let me let me put it this way. I think Charles Cross is as talented as a sophomore as 90% of the senior and junior left tackles out there. And so I'm really excited about what he's got. He could definitely go to the league after his junior year, but we'll see. Yep. Uh, and for my breakout player of the year, I'm going with Javante Payton. Uh, he's a guy that I'm really excited about, very explosive. He's going to be starting in the slot this year. And just last year, looking at him, uh, you know, he was making plays and stuff, but he was never somebody that you thought when he's on the field, this is a dangerous guy. He might, if he touches the ball, it might be a touchdown. And I think that this scheme is really going to let him shine because there's so many threats on the field at once that when he does touch the field and when he does get the ball in his hands, you have to respect him because he can he can take it to the house. Um, most improved, I'm going to say Osiris Mitchell. I made this pick before. I uh we got the news. Not I wouldn't even say news. Just the discussion about that we're you know maybe we're a little bit worried about Mitchell, but I think that even goes to show that uh he has even more room to improve. Osiris Mitchell has been our best receiver for the last two years and wasn't coached to play receiver very well. Um, he's getting that coaching now. If he is on the field, I think the only way he doesn't win this award is if he's just not on the field because Mitchell is going. You know I don't see those drops going to be as big a thing this year because of how many balls like we said they get in practice. They get you know. What do they get? Like a hundred passes a day yeah. in, in every practice. I mean, mm-hmm. you're gonna learn to catch, but you can't not learn to catch that way. Uh, Coach even said if you can't catch, you can't play. Yeah, you're going to defense. So if he's on the field, um, Mitchell's gonna Mitchell's gonna be gonna gonna be improved. There's there's no it's almost impossible. So the reason and again the reason I say that is because all these receivers that were here last year are gonna have time to grow time to grow, and I just think Mitchell's gonna be the one that sees the field most out of who was all here last year. Yeah. Uh, for my most improved player, I'm going with Kylan Hill. And I know that y'all might think that's an absurd pig, but I'm looking at this from a draft stock perspective. So, obviously, Colin wouldn't plays with where he's going in the draft. He was probably going fourth or fifth round last year, maybe third. But I think that uh, Colin comes back this year, obviously, being able to prove that he's a pass pass catcher and pass blocker, which is something that was uh, kind of frowned upon by NFL scouts when he was ready to leave last year. They were saying, you know, if there was a knock on Colin, it was his pass pro and his pass catching. And I think that Callen's going to be able to uh, prove everybody wrong this year. 
I think that he's going to be really good in this offense, so that's why I picked him. I think in 2021, Kylan's probably one of the best young running backs in the league. If y'all saw what Clyde Edwards-Alaire did on Thursday Night Football, uh, I would expect some, that kind of thing from him. He's, in fact, he's bigger, more athletic, and probably faster than Clyde mm-hmm. Edwards-Alaire. Maybe, I mean, Clyde Edwards at this at this point in their lives, he's a better pass pass catcher. But, yeah. uh, I I just. Collins built for the league, guys. He's got the NFL shield tattooed on his arm for a reason. Mm-hmm. I think my freshman of the year is going to be uh, Jaquavius Marks, and we're we're both kind of staying away from the quarterback on this simply because uh, it's just a little either that's either a little bit too easy or we of course we might not have any far uh, games that are that are all of our games might be sort of close and we might have KJ stays healthy he'll be on the field eighty nine percent of the time. Uh, so, but I am going with Jaquavius Marks. He'll be the second running back. I think he'll get enough touches that it'll make us really excited for him next year. And that's why uh, I'm uh, really hyped about him because I know that as a first-string running back, he'd be more than adequate, even as a freshman. Yeah. Uh, for my freshman of the year, I put Tulu Griffin. I'm really excited about him being on the outside now. Uh, he's going to be probably our most explosive guy on the outside, outside of maybe Shavers. He's, he's easily the fastest. Uh, and I just think that Tulu is going to be one of he's the guys. Faster than Shavers. Yeah, I'd say he's faster than Shavers. I think that Tulu's, it's debatable. Yeah, it's debatable. I'd like to see that race. I'd probably pay to, pay money to watch that race. Not too much money. Yeah, <laughs> straight line race. Yeah, I'd pay to watch a two hundred meter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tulu, I'd pay to watch a forty. Uh, Tulu, I think he's going to be an exciting and explosive guy. Like I was saying, he's going to be fun to watch, and I definitely think he'll be one, the leader of our receiver group later on in his career. And remember, just, with this extra year, no reason for red shirts. Yeah. Let the, if the freshman can play, let him play. Yeah, and uh, just think, guys. I know that this is getting away from the awards and stuff, but next year we could have such a talented receiver group where we could keep everybody that we have theoretically, and then we can add Theodore Knox and Malik Neighbors and Brandon Buckholter. It's going to be crowded. Some yeah. of these guys are going to have to get out yeah. just because it's going to be crowded. Yep. Mitchell's going to have to leave. That's a lot of mouths <laughs> Just because too many people. Exactly, yeah. too many mouths to feed. All right, we'll move on to offensive defense. MVP for y'all. Offensive MVP, I've got Kylan Hill, and I, you know, no no discussion necessary. He was definitely our offensive MVP last year as an All SEC running back, um, and I think this year, uh, because of what I've heard, he is getting a lot of catches. All I mean, all Kylan has to do is catch, you know, five passes a game and get ten carries a game, and he's probably with those fifteen touches going to have a hundred yards. I yeah. mean, I just I don't see it any other way. Easily a hundred yards. Um, and if if he's getting if he's getting like I said over a hundred all purpose yards per game, that's going to be one of the engines that drives us. That'll probably be a quarter of our total yards. Yeah. Uh, and for my offensive MVP, I went with KJ. I just think he's a really exciting guy to watch. He's going to lead the conference in passing yards. If I had to say, you know, like we'd said earlier, as long as he doesn't get hurt, he's going to be explosive. Uh, I think that you know in this offense, obviously the quarterback has to be the guy that you know. You better hope that your the quarterback is your offensive MVP in this offense. Right. All right, that's all we've got time for today. Give us feedback. You know, tell us what we did wrong or what we got right in our direct messages. If you want to just come on here, come on, you know, dogs before the mass, one word on Instagram, and say, hey, Colton, you shredded Gavin today. All of your takes are way better than his, even though we kind of agree on most things. Uh, I'm open to that. Uh, if you want to roast me, you can do that too, but I just don't see that. Just like I don't see uh, just like I don't see anybody other than Kylan winning all SEC, uh, player, uh, SEC running back of the year, I guess. I don't see anybody getting on Instagram and roasting me uh, because I'm I'm always right, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. So uh, one thing though that I do want to touch on is if y'all if y'all are enjoying the show, you know, let us know because we're tr- we're doing our best to make this enjoyable for y'all. And 
I'm we're open to having y'all on the show. So if you wanna if you wanna come down and talk ball with us for a little while, just let us know. Slide into our DM and we'll do our best to get you on for a segment. And again, um, start Vegas report one word, same as the show. That's Gavin's Instagram. Mine is dogs d a d a w g s. D-A-W-G-S, before the mast. Mast is in a sailboat thing or a pirate ship. I'm all in on the pirate thing on my Instagram. You can go take a look. We will be having uh, answering fan questions next year. Look out for the question stickers on our Instagram stories uh, because we will be t- taking feedback and questions for our next episode, which should be out about, we'll say early next week, probably Monday. Um, but other than that, swing your sword in Hale State. We'll see you all later. Yep. See you all.